Here's everything you might have missed in She-Hulk Episode 2. Welcome back, you Marvel maniacs, to our weekly breakdown of She-Hulk. After a crash course in hulking out in Mexico, Jennifer Walters is back in Los Angeles for Episode 2. Titled Superhuman Law, it sets the stage for a season-long storyline that has plenty of Easter eggs as well. We're going to break it all down for you in just a moment. However, to talk about the episode in detail, we have to spoil what happens. So if you haven't seen it yet, leave now before you get angry. Because we wouldn't like you when you're angry. Wait. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? The second episode takes place squarely at the intersection of f*** around and find out. Unfortunately, Jen Walters is learning that being a Hulk has a way of taking over your life, whether you want it to or not. That name better not stick. In a series of news reports, we get a recap of Jen's courtroom battle with Titania, the super strong comic book villain played by Jamila Jamil. Unlike her comic book counterpart, this version of Mary McFerrin is apparently a super-powered influencer, corroborating an early report about this character, describing her as, quote, Kardashian-esque with a dark side. We have seen two of the news channels, KPVK and KZYO, previously reporting on Ant-Man going full giant man in the San Francisco Harbor in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Next, we catch up with Jen and Nikki unwinding at the aptly named Legal Ease Bar, where they can go from passing the bar to passing out at the bar. That's fun. Jen says superheroism is the purview of billionaires, narcissists, and adult orphans, which doesn't sound like anyone we can think of. Does it sound like anyone you can think of? I'm Danny Rand, son of Wendell Rand. No, not you! Get out of here! Danny! Anyway, that joke about if the Avengers can get healthcare benefits or payment hits pretty close to home, considering Sam Wilson couldn't even get a bank loan in the Falcon and Bucky awesome show Great Job, despite repeatedly saving the world. How do you guys make a living? You mean those guys or the guy sitting in front of you trying to get a loan? Bucky got some mental health care, but who knows if the Avengers foot that bill or if that was through Veterans Affairs. He's so old. Moving on, Jen's day goes from bad to worse with a plotline straight out of 2004's She-Hulk number one. GLK and H, which rolls off the tongue really well, get the case declared a mistrial because Jen's act of superheroism gave her a distinct advantage with the jury. Much like that case, Holden Holloway, the H in GLK and H, was the sneaky Pete behind the mistrial ruling. Even the moment where Jen is hit hard by her metabolism at the bar is straight out of this issue. Although it happens with Holden Holloway, not her boss at the DA's office. Unfortunately for Jen, this makes her more radioactive than the gamma-radiated blood flowing through her veins. In his voicemail, Bruce calls Jen Fuzzball. While it sounds like something Spider-Man would call Wolverine, it's actually a line that Mark Ruffalo ad-libbed. According to Tatiana Maslany, it was in reference to her curly hair that then became a running gag on the show. When Jen is browsing the internet on her computer, one website is a treasure trove of Easter eggs. There's a QR code that links to a free comic, 2004's She-Hulk No. 1, which heavily inspires the events of this episode. The website's categories include Find Ant-Man, Avengers, and Norse Mythology, referencing Thor. We see an ad for Iron Man 3s, shoes that are intended to be like the Air Jordans of the MCU. Another headline alludes to Wolverine, reading, quote, Man fights with metal claws in bar brawl. The only fully confirmed mutant we know of so far is Kamala Khan, but we have a feeling we'll start to see more sooner rather than later. So consider this your snicked preview. I think, I think that joke might work better in print. Most importantly, we got our first on-screen mention of the giant statue of the Celestial Tiamat sticking out of the ocean. While this is a universe that experiences the otherworldly on a seemingly daily basis, we have been waiting for someone to at least acknowledge the events of Eternals. You guys did that? I love you so much. It's continuing the show's habit of addressing the lingering questions fandom has in a fun, tongue-in-cheek way. 
For instance, in episode one, we learned Jen was obsessed with figuring out if Captain America smashed. Captain America, fuck! Now we see that she thinks he's pretty peachy keen as well. The lock screen of her phone is America's ass in all of its glory. That is America's ass. We get another delightfully preposterous fandom question when Jen goes to dinner at her parents' house. Someone asks what happens to Hawkeye's arrows and if he goes around and collects them all after the battle. The answer is, honestly, probably yes. Clearly, he makes a lot of his own arrows, as we saw on Hawkeye, and without Tony Stark's unlimited resources and a family of five to feed, Clint has to really think about his arrow budget. Also during the dinner scene, someone brags about how Bruce was actually the one in Endgame to bring everyone back from the dead by snapping the Infinity Gauntlet. Someone else tells She-Hulk she didn't destroy a city, at least, referencing Hulk in basically any city he ever goes to, but definitely what he's done to New York in 2008's The Incredible Hulk and 2012's The Avengers. Smash. <sighs> back at the bar, we see Ally McBeal is playing on the TV. As the OG fourth wall-breaking legal dramedy, Ally McBeal is clearly a major influence on this show, so it's nice to see a little nod here. Much like in 2004 She-Hulk number one, Holden Holloway approaches Jen at the bar to offer her a job at GLK&H in their superhuman law division. I will only do it if I can hire my own paralegal. Non-negotiable. I truly do not care who your paralegal is. Ironically, in that issue, Hollywell tells Jen that he wants Jen Walters the lawyer, not She-Hulk the superhero. On the show, it's She-Hulk that's the spectacle and public face they want rather than Jen which will likely force Jen to reckon with her alter ego much faster and more publicly than she already wanted to. It really isn't that easy being green. In the lobby of GLKNH, we see a room full of Marvel Comics, which is actually straight out of 2004 She-Hulk number two. In the comics, Marvel Comics canonically exist because they are licensed from the real superheroes and their adventures and they bear the seal of the Comics Code of America. They're considered legal documents and are admissible in a court of law. What a world. Here we can see a number of deep-cut comic book covers, special thanks to our resident Marvel maven, Rosie Knight, and her eagle eyes for spotting the following issues. 1995's War Machine number 19, the first appearance of the Eidolon Warware. 1993's Iron Man number 290, the return of Iron Man after Rhodey believes he's dead. 1998's Iron Man volume 3 number 3, more armor shenanigans and a tangential story to Armor Wars. 1983's Incredible Hulk Volume 1, number 287, which features Modoc and Emil Blonsky, whom we'll see later in the episode. 1964's Avengers Volume 1, number 4, featuring the return of Captain America from being a capsicle. 2000's Captain Marvel Volume 4, number 17, featuring Thor, Thanos, and Captain Marvel. Go figure. 1991's What If, number 28, which featured What If Captain America Had Led an Army of Super Soldiers the Art Adams variant cover for 2018's Rise of the Black Panther number 6, and the foil cover for 1993's Avengers number 360 featuring the villainous Anti-Vision. Considering the comic artwork on Kamala Khan's wall, I wouldn't doubt that comics about these characters exist in the MCU as well, and these could be here for a similar purpose. Arriving to greet Jen with a welcome basket and a poop map is Augustus Pug Pugliese, another lawyer in the Superhuman Law Division whom we meet in earnest in 2004's She-Hulk number 2. Unfortunately for Jen, her first case is a doozy. She is to represent Emil Blonsky, a.k.a. the Abomination, in his parole hearing. I have a serious conflict of interest. This man tried to kill my cousin, Bruce. Yeah, that's quite all right. As the villain of 2008's The Incredible Hulk, Blonsky turned into the massive monster Abomination after being injected with super soldier serum by the U.S. government. 
Currently, he's being held in the Department of Damage Control Supermax prison, where the clandestines escaped from in Ms. Marvel. Maybe he's being held in a more secure wing, though, because boy howdy did they escape easily. The one thing that doesn't fly here? Cheap jokes about Silence of the Lambs. You're gonna serve me up with some fava beans and a nice piano? Ma'am, this is a prison. Of course. While the numbers on the prison walls and floors are red herrings, there is a QR code on Blonsky's uniform, which none of us have been able to scan. It could just be a code for the prisoners within the world, but if any of you can get it to scan, let us know in the comments. As for Blonsky himself, he claims to be a changed man thanks to his seven soulmates he met through the prison pen pal program. As we've seen from trailers, he's refashioning himself as a self-help guru. Namaste. Blonsky takes us through a brief recap of what happened in 2008's Incredible Hulk, and the revelation about the government injecting him with super soldier serum is of particular interest to Jen. Perhaps she'll be able to use it to get her client some clemency, because like Adam in Deus Ex, he never asked for this. He neglects to mention injecting himself with Hulk's blood, but we've all done things we're not proud of. When Jen tries calling Bruce to break the news about her unexpected client, we get a really fun meta joke. That, that fight was so many years ago, I'm a completely different person now. Literally. <laughs> For those who don't know, the joke here is that in the 2008 film, Ed Norton originally played Bruce Banner and was recast with Mark Ruffalo for 2012's Avengers. I'm sure you knew that. I prefer you. Thanks. Of course, the biggest revelation so far is that Bruce isn't in Mexico. He isn't in Los Angeles. He isn't even on Earth at all. He is on a Sakaran ship, heading back to where he spent two long years as a gladiator between Age of Ultron and Thor Ragnarok. You know what that means, folks. That's right, Scarwatch! It sounds like they're setting up the Planet Hulk and potentially World War Hulk storylines from the comics. As we mentioned in our episode one breakdown, Hulk wound up fighting in gladiatorial death matches on Sakaar, conquering the planet and fathering a few kids along the way. While Hulk was on Sakaar for two Earth years in the MCU, it's possible more time passed than we realized. Either way, with his penchant for rampant nudity, it's possible bloodlust wasn't the only thing Hulk felt during his time there. So did Hulk smash? We'll just have to wait and see. I smashed you. Yeah, sure, sure. Back on Earth, Jen has much bigger fish to fry. Footage has leaked of Abomination out of his prison cell, fighting in the underground fight club where we saw him battling Wong in Shang-Chi. This firmly places She-Hulk after the events of Shang-Chi, in case you're a timeline simp. Based on what happened this week, it's safe to assume that next week we'll learn that although two wrongs don't make a right, maybe one Wong can, with the power of magic. Anyway, once again the show has post credit scene, but this time we don't get any bombshell revelations about how Captain America might secretly be Star-Lord's grandfather. Rather, it's just a nice scene of Jen helping her dad with household chores thanks to her newfound super strength. Do not touch these wires again. No! And there you have it folks, that is everything we spotted in She-Hulk Episode 2. We will delve even deeper into this episode on Nerdist.com in the days ahead. For now though, tell us, did you spot anything we missed? What did you think of the episode? I'm uh, agnostic. Interesting. Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com. Nerdist.com